You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. Good morning to everyone in person and hello to everyone online. Uh, Great to be with you today and to do our first uh, talk for uh, the new year. Now, uh, it's going to be a little bit perhaps different if you're used to the way we do our preaching here at St. John's. Uh, Often we'll have have a bit of a point, we'll sort of dive into the passage and bring out a few teaching points and, uh, you know, sort of summarise things for you really clearly and go, now this is the takeaway, this is the big message of this morning. As we go through our summer series, uh, it might be a little bit different to what you're used to, not heaps different, but a little bit different. Uh, today, I'm really going to tell you the story of Solomon, uh, the young king that we find uh, in the book of 1 Kings, uh, and uh, a key person in history, a key person in the history of God's people. And so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about, in particular, his early time as a young king, uh, based on 1 Kings chapter 3, and I'm not really going to necessarily have big teaching points this morning. So it won't be one of those things where you go, oh, there was point one, there was point two, there was point three. Uh, And you might go, Kirk, you've never got a good structure like that. What are you talking about? Uh, But, you know, it's not going to be one of those sort of talks. Uh, It's going to be more, let's just hear the story. Uh, I'm going to share a personal reflection at the end. And I encourage you to have a personal reflection that you might share with each other afterwards as well. And that's what we're really going to do in this summer series, is we're going to look at this character, uh, this real person who lived uh, a long time ago, over 2,000 years ago, uh, who is the leader of God's people, the nation of Israel, and we're going to get to know him a bit, and we're going to get to know about his relationship with God, and hopefully that's going to help us in our relationship with God, Uh, and it's going to also help us understand the Bible and the story of the Bible better. So Solomon's the sort of guy that even if you don't know much about the Bible, maybe this is, you're pretty new to the Bible, you don't know much about it, you may still have heard of Solomon, or probably you've heard Solomon quoted or referenced, even if you didn't realize. So for those of you who have heard of Solomon before, he was known for being great at a couple of things. What was he great at? Just shout it out. Wisdom, I heard wisdom. Obviously, it's masks in here, so it's a little bit hard to hear. So he's great in wisdom, great at anything else. Building things, yep. Having too many women, yes. He, one of the probably top 10 amount of wives in history, I would suggest. Uh, and any, one other thing. Money is the other thing, yes. Yeah, sorry, a lot of masks, someone might have already said that known to being very, very wealthy. And so um, this is the sort of thing that he's, he's been known for uh, throughout history, and he'll, he'll often get quoted uh, in these sort of areas or referenced in these sort of areas. But today we're really going to look about before all this stuff happened, before he was known for these great things, or great <laughs> sometimes, in inverted commas, what was it like as he was starting out when he first became king? In the previous chapter to chapter 3, which we're focusing on today, he'd just been anointed king by his father David. Uh, and David, one of the, well, the best king that Israel had had so far, 
Admittedly, there'd only been two. So, you know, <laughs> best of two, though, you know. Uh, but he went on to be, no, to be very favorably remembered as one of the, the best kings that Israel had ever had. Possibly many Jewish people would say the best king that Israel had ever had. So his he's, dad's very well respected. And Solomon got off to a, a bit of a, a dodgy or a messy start. It hadn't been a smooth transition. If you read chapter 2, it been really messy. There had been arguments about whether he or his half-brother should have, been, should have become king. And then when he did become king got in a bit of an argument, a bit of a scuffle with his half-brother. Do you know what he did? <laughs> Executed his half-brother. Got rid of him. And then got rid of a, another person who was causing him some problems as well. So this is how we're introduced to Solomon. The young king takes over leading God's people and it's really messy and he's not exactly the guy who we're respecting. And then, even as we enter verse 3, uh, sorry, chapter 3, we read a couple of other things that should concern us, particularly if we know about the history of God's people. It says that Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. Now you might go, well, what's the problem with that? Uh, alliances sound like a good thing, keeping the peace. Egyptians, I know some Egyptian people, they're lovely, I'm friends with them. But if you know the history of the Israelites, particularly in that period of history, what had they just done? They'd escaped slavery in Egypt. Of all the people you're going to make an alliance with, the people who had kept you in slavery for a long, a long period of time, treating you horribly, okay, that's, that's a weird decision to be doing that. And in fact, God had specifically said, don't, don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to that place that had kept you in slavery for so long. This is not a great decision by Solomon right there. And then it says the people were still sacrificing at the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Now the high places is this reference to these areas that people had constructed that were, were built for worshipping small g-gods or false gods. Uh, so we believe there's one God, the creator of all things. Uh, he's all-powerful. And so this is places where they'd built statues and put, put up images for other things to be worshipped, created things to be worshipped. And so God had specifically said, don't worship those things, don't worship created things, just worship me. And so people are now worshipping at these places that have been built to worship false gods. This is not a great place for the worship of the nation. It's meant to be God's people who worship God. And so they're not in a great spot spiritually as well. And then we read in verse 3 that Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given to him by his father David. Good. And then the important word, except. And we see a lot of these types of words when we read about Solomon. Except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. And I feel like... The word except, you'd, you'd see this in my life as well, by the way. You know, Kirk's doing a bunch of good things, except, you know, not always. And so he was also worshipping in these places built for false gods. And we actually see that in the next verse, uh, he offered sacrifices, a thousand sacrifices, the most important high place 
in the land at this place called Gibeon. So at the start of this chapter, as we're reading about Solomon, we're going, all right, as the one who's meant to be leading God's people, God's nation, in worshipping God and following him wholeheartedly with all their soul, mind and strength, he's, he's got a bit of work to do. He needs to make some changes in the way he's going to be leading this nation. Now, what happens next? Well, he gets this opportunity, this incredible opportunity. And it's, you know, you can think about this. God could be quite angry with him. You know, God could be like, oh, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, this is a terrible start. And you think, oh, God could come down and discipline him or go, no, you're out. You're a terrible king. I'm going to find someone else to take over. Uh, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to smite you maybe. But he doesn't do that. In fact, God offers him this incredible opportunity. In verse 5, he appears to Solomon in a vision and says, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, kids, imagine you got asked this at Christmas. I'm going to give you for Christmas whatever you want. Whatever you want. Just pick it and I'll give it to you. Or for those of you who have made a New Year's resolution, you know, you want something to be different this year, and God just said, no worries, done. It's definitely going to happen. Because let's be honest, most of them aren't going to happen. <laughs> so that's the nature of New Year's resolutions. But God's just going, no, that's, just, that's definitely going to happen. I'm just going to make it happen. You're not even going to have to work for it. I'm just going to do it for you. And so this is, what, this is what God comes and offers. Just ask for whatever you want. What's Solomon's response? This is a big moment. How is he going to respond? How would you respond to this question? Well, I can't remember another time in the Bible where God offers this. But anyway, here we go. Solomon answered, this is verse 6 of 1 Kings chapter 3. You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. So first he talks about his father, now he started to talk about himself. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. So this is a reference to his age. I haven't been able to work out exactly how old he is there, but we think he's probably a teenage king at this point. So for those of you watching your you know, high school, maybe starting out high school, he's a pretty young king at this point. Um, and so your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So you get this feeling that he's a bit overwhelmed with the task ahead of him. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So what does he ask for? He asks for help in being able to lead God's people well, in being able to be the leader that God wants him to be. This idea of having a discerning heart is being able to be able to make the right decisions, the best decision, the good decisions when they need to be made. So even though we've had a bit of a messy start with Solomon and he's not quite off on the right foot, this is a good answer, right? Like, this is, this is good. 
Like, well done, Solomon. And the Lord is pleased with what he's asked for. And so God says to him, uh, I, you know, it's a, it's a very unselfish answer, isn't it? doesn't really go, go for all the things that I think a lot of us would have been tempted to ask for. And so God says to him, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but you've asked for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you have asked. So he says, I am going to help you be the leader that you've asked to be. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, so bonus here, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you'll have no equal among kings. So this is what we're talking about earlier. He's known for being wealthy and wise. And if you walk in obedience, there's an if here, and if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you long life. So God's very pleased with the response that Solomon has. Uh, He says, yes, I am going to help you to lead my people well. And also, I'm going to give you this extra stuff. I'm going to make you wealthy. uh, And I'm also going to bring you great honor amongst the nations that are around you. And that, particularly the idea of honor, is actually in line with what God's plan was for the nation of Israel. To be a blessing to the nations around them. uh, To... You know, for, for it not, God not just to bless his people, but for that to sort of spill over and to, to flow into the people of the world around them. And so uh, this goes well. Solomon receives the vision. He's really pleased with it. And then we read at the end of this little section, he returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and burnt offerings and fellowship offerings there. And then he gave a feast of, for all his court. Now, that's, you might go, oh, that's just a little summary sentence. But that's really important because what it's saying is he's now worshipping, because they burnt offerings, it's an act of worship. He's now worshipping not in the high places where you worship false gods, but at the Ark of the Covenant, the place where God arranged for people to worship him. That's where he wanted people to be worshipping. So we start this chapter with Solomon worshipping at the wrong place, in the wrong way, and we finish this story of the vision with Solomon now worshipping God in the right place, in the right way. So a really good sort of arc, arc of the covenant, nice little arc here in the story for Solomon. It's a great sort of moment of maturity for him. What follows is a famous story, which I won't go into detail this morning, where he's presented with... like a court case situation where he needs to act as judge. There's been a tragedy in the house of two women and they've got an argument going on. It's really hard to work out who's telling the truth. They've got a dispute between them. They're both calling each other liars. And he works out a solution, quite a risky way of working it out, in my opinion, but one that's very clever and he works out a way to tell the truth. And this increases his reputation amongst the people where they start to go, oh, this guy's really wise. He's, he's worked it out. And we finish the chapter uh, when it's, with verse 28 where it says, when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Now you can look at that in your own time. 
uh, I encourage you to read that second part of the chapter. Uh, just for a warning for families, reading it through together with kids, uh, it, it's got some adult themes in there. There's a bit of violence and death and so on, so maybe read it ahead of time uh, for those of you with younger kids reading it together um, and just see if your kids are up for it at, at that young age. Um, but it's a reasonably famous story too. It's one that, uh, again, it does get referenced in our culture, not just uh, in church as well. Um, so he's, by the end of this chapter, Solomon, had, you know, the start of the chapter, Solomon's this young king, he's messing up, uh, we're going, oh no, is it going to be bad king, good king, bad king, good king sort of pattern for Israel, because that seemed to be the way it's going. But by the end of chapter 3, we're starting to go, no, hang on, this guy, he's responded so well to God's uh, vision there, and looks like this could be really good. Now, what we're going to see as we go through the story, and a little bit of spoilers here, is that I think we're going to see a dynamic of both these things that we see in chapter 3 in Solomon's life throughout. There's going to be this pull towards worshipping these false gods. This is not going to be the only time that this pulls him in that direction. And this marriage that he makes for a political alliance that's going to continue to be a problem for him in the future. Not just that alliance, but other alliances he makes as well. These things are going to continue to be a problem for him throughout his life. But at the same time, this excellent response he has in seeking God's guidance and help, the humility he has in understanding that he can't lead without God, that's going to put him in a great position. It's going to help him make some wonderful decisions. It's going to help him to lead the nation in wonderful ways as well. So we're going to see some great highs and some great lows in the leadership of Solomon. And we're going to see God working through it the whole way and sort of pushing him in the right direction at times. But the weakness of Solomon and the flaws of Solomon, as we all have, uh, you know, always in play as well. My personal reflection here to finish is that... Um, God's grace is, is right here, given the start, you know, the, the terrible mess Solomon makes at the start. It's amazing the offer that God makes to Solomon. And then as we go through and we see some of the other things that Solomon does, and we'll look at those in future weeks, at any point God could have really just pulled the plug on him and gone, no, I've had enough. I can't believe you've made that decision. <laughs> Why would you do that? But he doesn't. He shows that patience and that kindness, uh, you know, forgiveness, you know, this idea of loving people even though we do the wrong thing, loving us even though we get things wrong, uh, even though we, we stuff up, even though we even deliberately make the wrong decisions at times. God's grace is present right here in the Old Testament, way before Jesus ever arrived. And so my personal reflection is, as someone who's been leading you know, different things in church, outside of church for a long time, I'm really glad that God shows grace to us because I think back, oh, all these stuff-ups that I've made as well. And I haven't married 700 people, but, you know, like, um, you know, Solomon's just this, like, exaggerated version of normal people. Um, and I'm so glad that God is gracious and patient with us. Um, and so that's something I'm going to think about as we go through the series and, and be looking for the way 
God shows his grace to someone in that huge leadership position with that huge amount of responsibility that Solomon had at the height of Israel's history. Like, that, that was at their, their greatest time where they were the most successful in, being, in living out God's mission for them. So I encourage you to have your own reflections uh, and share them after the service as we chat with each other um, in the foyer, uh, in the lounge room, uh, or on the way home. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.